Welcome to McGuire on Wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? Let's give the people what they want. Professional wrestling. With Mike McGuire. The happiest Canadian camper in the world. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Give me a hell yeah. Hello, greetings, salutations, happy Sunday, back where we're supposed to be for another edition of Maguire on Wrestling. Apologies for last week if you didn't see the videos and posts that went on social media. Last week's show did happen. It went up on Tuesday. So if you missed it, you can go back in the archives, Maguire on Wrestling, and hear the show, including an interview that I got to say, I'm really, really happy with how it went and actually surprised a few people according to some of the feedback I got. Like I say in the show, I was surprised as well in the best way possible talking with the franchise Shane Douglas. If you missed that chat, it's probably something you wouldn't expect in an interview with Shane Douglas because, you know, Shane Douglas, he's been quite known to be outspoken throughout the years, but we didn't do any of that. We didn't get into the the weeds of anger and frustrations and everything else. And if you hear that interview, you actually hear a guy who's pretty gracious and grateful for the time he has had in pro wrestling and and even says himself that it wasn't really supposed to be that way. It was never the plan until it was the plan. And he did what he did and still does it now, touring indie shows and and doing circuits from time to time. And I got to say, really, really impressed with it. So if you haven't had a chance to do that, I've been debating tagging it onto the feed again this week just as its own standalone interview. So I might do that. But in the meantime, we have a whole show for you. Today, it might sound a little different. I'm back in Saskatchewan, back at Mary's house here. If you've been following along for years, you know the drill. But it's literally the last time I'll be here uh, just picking up a few things, including my cats. Yeah, shout out to uh, Cat and Sparky. They've been living the high life without dad around, I'll tell you that right now. Sparky went from uh, from probably you know 5 to 50 pounds here. He's He's living life. He's doing good. We're going to have to get him on a little cat diet of some sort. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what you do. Like A cat's life is feed me and feed me again. So we'll have to see what happens there. But you know what? Maybe I'll join him. Maybe we'll share a, a diet plan there together. Anyway, let's talk about the show here. If it's your first time checking it out, thank you for being here so much. Always free. Always about pro wrestling. And it's all thanks to you and your support. The easiest way to support You can hit that subscribe, get the automatic download every week. It's there for you in your phone. Not only do you get this show, but you get two other great shows with two very different approaches. Every Saturday, it's the alternate commentary table with my co-commentators from Dungeon Wrestling in Calgary, Alberta, Mitch Hansius and Dimitri Karolis. They are wrestling fans. They are the purest of fans. They don't claim to know everything. In fact, uh, Mitch is quite famous for getting names wrong their hearts are in the right place and the show is wildly entertaining tons of fun if you missed this week's it's up now uh, again the alternate commentary table and then a show i'm so proud to have be a part of team mow from over in the uk the one and only andy evans originally from the squared circle wrestling podcast now tsc appearing on the team mow mcguire on wrestling feed Every week, it drops different times midweek just because of the time zones, and it depends on what's going on, too. This week, he wanted to do an Elimination Chamber preview, so we posted it a little later. But again, if you hit that subscribe button, it's 
there for you in your phone. It's a nice, pleasant surprise. And Andy does a great job looking at the history of wrestling. He gives you a nice midweek news update as well and talks about things that maybe we don't talk about on the weekend show because they haven't happened yet. Also some great insight on things like TNA Wrestling, who just had a big show this past weekend. And they're, again, in the headlines based on what's going on behind the scenes. But all these shows are yours for absolutely free, no paywall, ever. There will never be a paywall to listen to this audio content. That's our promise to you, and we're going to give you the best shows we can each and every week, even if it's from Saskatchewan. Last plug before we get going, there is the Team MOW merch shop at mcguireshow.com. You can also follow at Show on all the socials, and again, all that helps out repping the brand. Appreciate you for everything you give us. Coming up this week, grab some Woo Wings and Woo Energy drink because it's Ric Flair's 76th birthday. By the way, Rick, neither one of those really uh, all that friendly for the heart, so just take, take it easy, will you, pal? The WrestleMania world title matches are set, but what are the main events going to be? The Wrestling Observer Awards are out, so we're going to have to catch up with Dave Meltzer and find out his thoughts on the panel selections. We're a week away from Sting's last match. What do you think? Will he retire a champion? Or will he leave looking at the lights? And the Maguire on Wrestling Indie Spotlight checks in with an old friend in Vance, Nevada. All that's on the way, but first, let's take a look at what's happened in the past few days. Here is this week's Five Count. You want to hear the breaking news? Well, even if you didn't watch the show, I'm sure you've seen on social media that WWE's Elimination Chamber from Perth, Australia seems to have been a massive success for the company. The huge stadium show saw Becky Lynch secure her WrestleMania title match spot in the Elimination Chamber for the ladies, and Drew McIntyre is now headed to face Seth Rollins after winning the Men's Chamber match. Cody Rhodes has challenged The Rock to a match, presumably at WrestleMania, as Seth Rollins is offering to have Cody's back against the bloodline. The real star of the show, though, undoubtedly, Australia's Rhea Ripley, who retained her world title against Nia Jax and stole the show in the main event. After the show, Ripley shared these emotional thoughts with WWE's social media. I remember sitting in the middle of the ring and just soaking it all in and soaking up the crowd and just letting them in and letting them affect me in a way that I don't really try and let them affect me. And I did the same thing tonight without even meaning to and it just gave me that flashback and it was a real wholesome moment for the for me. It, it really was. I hate getting teary on camera. It's okay. <laughs> and, we appreciate it. No worries. <laughs> I mean, I guess you got to see every single side of mommy. So. WWE are now headed to a sold-out SAP Center in San Jose for tomorrow night's Monday Night Raw. Well, wrestling's most wanted man, Nick Nemeth, formerly Dolph Ziggler, has scored his first post-WWE championship, winning New Japan's Global Championship from David Finley. This happened on Friday night as the match was a banger that took place in night one of New Japan's Sapporo Danger Zone event in Hokkaido. This was Nemeth's in-ring debut for New Japan as well. The show featured nine matches in total, including Tanahashi versus Matt Riddle, with Riddle winning the NJPW Television Championship, and Yuji Nagata against Zack Sabre Jr., among others. Night two of the show followed last night, seeing Okada's final match as he left New Japan before heading to AEW. TNA Wrestling has also had a busy weekend with their No Surrender pay-per-view and some TV tapings this weekend. The most notable story out of the night from No Surrender was the crowning of a new X-Division champion. Mustafa Ali defeated Chris Sabin in the main event to take that title. The TNA Knockout Tag Team Championship also changed hands as MK Ultra, which is Masha Slamovich and Killer Kelly, defeated the team of Decay. And Eric Young 
Don't Fire Eric himself has defeated Frankie Kazarian to become the new number one contender for Moose's TNA World Championship. Congratulations to Big Bronson Reed and his family. Originally, Reed was reported to have been scheduled for a match against Seth Freakin' Rollins at Elimination Chamber this past weekend. However, Reed, who is also from Australia, had to miss the World Championship match due to Rollins' knee injury, but in a post on social media, has now said that while he was supposed to be on the show, he's glad he wasn't, as he and his wife's baby came early. Citing the old adage, everything happens for a reason, we're sending out our best to Bronson, uh, Mrs. Bronson, and of course, Big Baby Reed. And over on the AEW side of things, as we are a week away from AEW's revolution, we'll talk about that show coming up with Dave Meltzer in just a bit. It's really a one-match show, though. No offense to any of the other stars that are on it. But, of course, Sting's big finale is what we're looking forward to. Also making news in that company was a new signing in Soraya's brother, Zack Knight. Now, Zack, who's been wrestling for years, you may know the story. You may have seen uh, Fighting With My Family, for example, or just known the story of the Knight family through the decades. Anyway, Zack Zodiac, as he was once known, has been appearing on Ring of Honor for the past few weeks, and he's actually been signed officially to the roster, according to Soraya. So there's no news as to whether or not he'll be staying with ROH or appearing more on AEW TV at this time. But either way, congratulations to Zach. That's someone who's been working hard to get an opportunity like this. Well, we still got lots more to come for you this week. Again, we're going to check in with Vance Nevada. You might remember I did an interview with him just over a year and a half ago with a book he put out called Uncontrolled Chaos. And it really is the definitive encyclopedia of Canadian independent wrestling. It's such a great book. I still have a copy in the office. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to just go to. And I'm not really a go-to-book guy that often, but I go to this book an awful lot. We're going to chat with him at a show I caught up with him recently at. Plus, Dave Meltzer is on the way. But it was this day, back in 2013, that one of the greatest John Cena matches in history took place. It wasn't at a pay-per-view either. Do you remember who it was against? Or maybe do you remember what I'm talking about? That answer is coming up next. This is McGuire on Wrestling. Hello from jolly old England. This is Andy Evans from the Squared Circle podcast, which you can listen to each and every week on Maguire on Wrestling podcast feed. If you would like to know the latest from professional wrestling with coverage of TNA, WWE, All Elite, New Japan and more, plus in-depth look back at what happens on the days gone by, then check us out each and every week as part of your midweek fix. This is TSC, the Squared Circle. Welcome back to McGuire on Wrestling. Well, nowadays we have WWE's Elimination Chamber to fill that vacant spot for whatever title doesn't get chosen by the Royal Rumble winners. It was this day on an episode of Monday Night Raw back in 2013 that would see John Cena face CM Punk for the number one contendership spot to The Rock's WWE Championship. Now, you might remember Rock had beat Punk for it at the Rumble, and of course this was setting up what would look like twice in a lifetime to capitalize on John Cena versus The Rock 2. Of course, it's well known, Cena would take that spot and main event WrestleMania 29, I was there. But this match that happened between Cena and Punk on Raw 11 years ago today is still lauded as one of Cena's best matches and one of the best matches in Raw history. John Cena! Oh, 
It's time for the Wrestling Observer Insider with Dave Meltzer, McGuire on Wrestling. Well, back after a week separated. I missed you, Dave. It's good to have I you. Missed, I missed you too, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were both we were both trying to connect, and I know you're busy. And it was the oh my gosh, it was awards week with the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards. So yeah, it was awards awards week is my is one of my tougher weeks of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know when I text you and I don't get anything back, I'm like, he's busy. That's just the way yeah, it is. He's yeah. been- I, I think this issue was one of the two or three largest issues I ever did in my life. And I've been doing this for, good Lord, you know, 40 years. I mean, yeah. it was just a gigantic issue because not just awards, but lots of lots, lots and lots of news. Well, still lots to talk about. Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, first thing I want to catch up on, this is something I said I was going to ask you last week. Uh, I assume you watched uh, Osprey's last match, that dog pound match. Um, do you mean the match in Osaka? Yeah, the five on five, the the big yeah, dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not the, the the um. Did you did you see the match with Michael Oku? I didn't actually. No. You should. You should. I would. I I would rarely tell you this, but absolutely, one hundred percent, you should go out of your way to see this match because it 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 probably is going to be the best match of the whole year. Um Because right. I thought you know I thought Danielson and Saber was from Osaka from that same night was was going to be a contender to win the whole thing, and then this one right. just to me blew it away. It's, okay. It's just, just a uh, different level of storytelling than you ever, than you than you see usually in uh, than you see in in wrestling. Period. It was just uh, just an incredible masterpiece of a of a match. Okay, so that forces my question though about the dog pound match. Then, yes, I asked you uh, before you had watched it. Is it a mess or a masterpiece? Because I, I would I would certainly say neither. But what I would say is okay. at the at the fifty four minute mark, I thought it was an awesome match, not match of the year. But an awesome match, and the last ten minutes just did nothing for me. And and you know the the end of the match is far more important than the beginning. So to Absolutely. me, I mean, a, a lot of people got mad at me for my rating of it. They think it was too low, but I mean, I almost in some ways thought it was too high just because I the, the like the 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 last ten minutes didn't work. I know what they were trying, and um, but it's just you know once you're taking the mats off and you're trying to take bumps, I mean it's. It's scary because guys can get hurt and it's not like it, it it's not like it really means anything. I don't know how to explain it, but it, it was well, just it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything to that crowd. Like they had never seen anything like that. Yeah. But it wasn't like it turned them on. It was just like, okay, you know. No, it was stone silence and for yeah. those that don't know, and I, I assume most wrestling fans that are listening to a show like this, they have some idea of how a wrestling ring is put together. So you have the boards that are usually this is the thing that really blew my mind about the new Japan ring is that the boards were actually separated. So they were actually like two shorter planks that go across instead of one long plank across. Right. Then you have the matting over top and then you have the canvas that's usually tied down. That's what stops the boards from slipping. So when you have this new Japan ring where the boards are split in the middle, I mean, guys are legit doing any spot and a board gives out or disappears and guys are falling in holes. Like I was waiting for somebody to break their leg into like it was somebody, crazy. Somebody. The the injury and plus taking bumps on him is no picnic either. I know yeah. I talked. I Kenny Omega did this in a match. Um, you know one of the WCW pay per view matches, and um, I just remember afterwards uh, talking to him about it. And he was just like, "Oh my god!" Because I think he did like. Um, you mean the AEW? Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard, yeah, I heard. yeah. Maybe it's being splashed on the boards. Yeah, and and he was just like, "Oh my god!" I had no idea it was going to hurt that bad. And it's like that's why, you know. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't get turned on by pulling away the pads in the ring and leaving the boards and and trying to do, you know, walk and run on the boards because if the boards give out, 
the injury, it's the risk to an ankle, to a knee. You don't need it. Well, and again, I, I just have to stress that most rings, and I'm not condoning the, you know, that we have to rip all the mats off and everything, but most rings don't have boards that, that give way in the middle like that. Like, I've never seen that before. So for me, yeah. that was something new. And then to see these guys, like, literally just take a step, it knocks the board off the little metal plank that it's balanced on. I'm like, Jesus, what are we doing here, guys? Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and I, I didn't. It didn't help the match. Plus, you know, here's the thing: it's like 54 minutes or 45 minutes is enough for virtually any match. I mean, unless you're like Omega and Okada, both at your peak on the same day. Yeah, nobody really needs to go more than 45 minutes. Or if you're telling the story like Danielson and MJF, where you're doing an Iron Man match. But generally speaking, you know, it's like 30 minutes is enough for for 99 of the matches. And on occasion, the right place, right time, 45 minutes, you know, can be fantastic with the right people. An hour, you know, on rare occasion, but a multiple person match, I, I don't think it needs to go anything like that. It just, it, it felt too, you know, 54 minutes. I mean, I give him all the credit in the world because at 54 minutes, it did not feel too long. And I was thinking everyone was going, oh my God, it went too long that I heard. And I go like, you know, I'm at 54 minutes and it hasn't gone too long. But then when it was over, it was like, everybody was right. Yeah. Short short of pulling out a gun and shooting each other. Like I don't know what else they could have done at that point. Like it was it was everything, but uh Yeah. I mean anyway. it was a, it was a, it was a great attempted effort to make, you know, the last match memorable and Will Ospreay. I mean, God bless him. He put David Finley over clean and then Oh yeah. And then he put Michael Oku over by submission in his last matches. I mean, total pro on the way out. Well, there you have it. We'll talk about going on the way out here in a minute. But I want to talk about the big thing that, of course, gets associated with you, even though you're the guy that does the counting. I didn't and even do the counting. I didn't even do the counting this year. Oh, really? Other people do the counting. Yes, yes. Hmm. I well, what I will say is, is the people who do the counting because nobody could do one all this counting. Right. So the people who do it, I do add up their totals. So I guess, in a sense, I do some counting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm talking, of course, about the Wrestling Observer Awards, and uh, the list came out. There's some obvious picks in some cases. There's some noodle scratchers when it comes to other ones here. I think we have to start with the guy we just talked about, Will Ospreay being the wrestler of the year. Behind him, Cody Rhodes, and behind them, MJF. Uh, do you agree with these numbers? Um, I mean, I, I had four people, which were Will Ospreay, Cody Rhodes, MJF, and Roman Reigns. And I would have been happy and satisfied with any of the four winning in any order because they each have a case for it. You know, Roman Reigns was the biggest star. Cody was the big workhorse, really helped. Will Ospreay had the best matches, and MJF was champion for a year and did real well on his pay-per-views and TV ratings and everything. So mm -hmm. it could have been any one of the four. And so, I mean, I was, you know, with my readership, I wasn't surprised Ospreay won. Um, I know most people who I had talked with, like the month before, about balloting everything, I go like, "Who do you think is going to win?" And most were pretty strong on Osprey winning, just because of the incredible matches that he had all year, and he was very valuable in Japan and on the indie scene and everything like that. And um, you know, I mean, it's like it's there, there. It wasn't like a lot of years where there was a clean cut winner. You know, it was like there were right. four candidates, and any of the four could have won in my mind. Well, and again, as we go through this, I want to remind everybody, this is all subjective based on the readers' votes in the panel and, and who gets to be a part of this thing. So don't come at me. Don't come at Dave. It's based li literally on votes here. What you did mention, though, and I do find this interesting, is that a lot of your readers do tend to skew more towards AEW, at least they have for the few years. But AEW had growing years. you know. Well, and, and that's just it. And they had the momentum. They had all these things going on. But WWE... Yeah 
came out as promotion of the year here. And it, it was it wasn't a huge gap of votes, but it was enough, definitely, that well, WWE had a growing year this year. That was the difference. You know, and I mean that's that's what it should have been. I mean, as far as like the for the, you know, I mean, if you're to me, to me, like it's not the biggest promotion should win. It's the one that grows the most or or yeah. does 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 the best shows. And you could argue, you know, and, and again, an AEW Dynamite won best TV show. And I have no qualm with that whatsoever. Because actually, I would have voted for it as well, because I think it was the best overall show. But the fact is, is that who grew their business this past year, and it was WWE for a, a, a lot of different reasons. But the one some people will give them credit for and some people won't. The key reason is the booking and the star making. You know, I mean, it's not like, oh, they're number, you know, they're the big talking about WWE's star. Yeah, yeah WWE yeah. With, all, with all their advantages. It's like they had every advantage that they had this year they've had for the last uh, 25 years and they've had years that they've many years that they've gone down in popularity in those mm -hmm. 25 years and some that they went up this year they went up a lot so there you go well it's a whole new era literally and and figuratively as well here so i guess we'll see what happens over the next couple of years for them uh still going down the list here i mean a lot of not big surprises again a pro wrestling match of the year omega versus will osprey from uh, january 4th from wrestle kingdom uh and then i found this one kind of uh interesting the best talker the best interview, I guess, in Eddie Kingston getting that spot. MJF and Christian Cage are second and third. You're telling me there isn't one person in WWE that's close to this? Um, I don't think anyone's close to I think Eddie Kingston, as far as delivery and interviews, is the best guy in the business. Um, Cody finished the highest. And um, I mean, I mean, I I thought Heyman, honestly, should be higher than he was, but um, as far as number one. Christian Cage was really kind of remarkable this year. It's, and it's hard for me. It was almost hard for me to give him credit in some ways, because at first I thought, oh, you know, like when he first came in, it was like Tony made such a big deal out of him and the people didn't. But, you know, he went with the turn and everything. He He's really remarkable. Um, MJF. Um, I, I well, the thing with Kingston that surprised me was that I think that Kingston, while while I do believe Kingston is the best promo guy in the business, I don't think he had the opportunities for promos that other guys had. So I was surprised he won. I think he won based mm -hmm. on a few promos that he had shots at, whereas MJF and Christian Cage had lots and lots and lots of promo time and did really well. And, you know, Cody Rhodes had lots of promo time, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I whatever. I Well, you won't you know, get an argument from me that Kingston doesn't deserve the spot. I've always said since I first saw the guy, Eddie Kingston's the best promo in the business right now. Like, I, I love I, I, watching I, I him so hear him talk. But for me, it's just like, I don't know, man, Cody, Heyman, uh, Punk is back. You know, you got all these guys and well, girls. Punk, Punk, Punk really didn't, wasn't around a lot. That's like if Punk was around all year, you know, they'd be different. Um, okay. and, and he'd be up and he'd be up there. Cody was up there. You know, Cody, Cody placed high. Um, yeah, but but so, not top three. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Cody better than Christian Cage. I mean, as far as biting promos and everything, I don't I, I think Christian Cage did more biting promos than Cody. Yeah, so, I mean, especially would, if you don't have a dad, it hurts extra hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is one that's near and dear to my heart, even though I've never performed on the level that any of these people have, but I pay attention. I'm a student of the game here, and I, I get to do what I do with the Dungeon folks, and now I'm working with some other companies. But the best television announcer, Excalibur, Ian Riccoboni, and Kevin Kelly are your top three. I think all three of these guys are great. I think Excalibur is kind of a favorite vote, though, and I'm only saying this not out of disrespect. I need to preface this now. Oh, Mike McGuire said Excalibur sucks. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is I think Excalibur unfortunately gets shoehorned into bad announcing positions. 
especially when he's given those rundowns where he has to give you 90 matches in 30 seconds that are all coming yeah. up next week, you know? So right. I, again, I, I asked this question only because he is the guy in charge on the other side. He's the guy that coaches all these new commentators and he's the guy that's been doing it the longest over there. Now, why isn't Michael Cole considered in this list for the top three? He didn't get the votes. I mean, um, the one thing, you know, I, I think, and it has certainly changed. I think the one thing that hurt Michael Cole was the WWE philosophy of announcing. Yeah. Uh, the AEW philosophy is to really like, you know, WWE philosophy largely, and there's always exceptions, is nothing exists but us, you know, and it's very programmed. And it's, 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 you know, the talking, the verbiage is that weird WWE verbiage. No one talks like, now it's changed. It, it, it is better now. Yeah. But, um, you know, with, with Excalibur, I mean, it's like if somebody comes in, I mean, he's got their whole resume and the, they talk about the whole world, like it's part of wrestling as opposed to where the only wrestling. And I think that that really resonates better with people who follow wrestling all over the world. feels like they're not being insulted. Um, so I think that that helps, um, Ian Riccoboni second really surprised me. He was never up there at that level in any other awards. I mean, it's always been for years and years. It's been Kevin Kelly because he does that remarkable job with New right. Japan telling stories, especially like during tournaments. And Excalibur because he's the man with the facts and, and the, the figures on AEW week in and week out. Um, Kevin Kelly being out of New Japan, you know, you, it takes time to kind of, um, um, you know, adapt. You know, and it's, it's you know, AEW is a different product. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I thought that the um, the Ian Riccoboni was, um, you know, a pleasant surprise, I guess, for Ian Riccoboni and people who I, like him. He'd never I been, like that. Never it, been, it, he'd never been up there before, like at that level before. Yeah, and if anything, honestly, Riccoboni would have been my top pick because I, I really dig his style. I think every time he's been given a shot with the bigger audience to do AEW stuff, he's always knocked it way, way out of the park. I don't think he's he's missed a step, really. So I think maybe it's just a case of more eyes and ears need to see what Riccoboni can do because, I mean, that guy is just just so good. My personal overinflated opinion, but I mean, that's what these are. That's why we vote. No, I will. I will. I will say this. You know, I mean, the people in charge of uh, both companies, but that company in particular, they do follow these awards. So it probably it probably did Ian Riccoboni a lot of good for career wise to finish second. Yeah, let's get an extra zero on that check, Ian. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The other one that, of course, everybody has to talk about, and it's, you know, the tribalism and everything else, but Paul Levesque took Booker of the Year this year over Tony Khan by basically double the numbers here. And again, you've already said WWE's in a growing year. Things are different. Is this maybe AEW fans saying, look, it's getting a little stale, TK? Um. I mean, I, I think a lot of people just judge by the fact that uh, AW, while while business wise, they did have a tremendous growth year. I mean, they grew sixty percent in revenue, but you know, I mean, as far as TV ratings, I mean, WWE grew so much more. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, WWE's attendance growth, AW's attendance is down. Um, you know, so it, it's. I mean, technically, you could say they're up because of Wembley, but if you take Wembley out, they're they're down. But WWE's growth was tremendous this year when it comes to attendance. And, you know, when it comes to pretty much everything, um, you know, 18 to 49 ratings, we're, we're mostly up there. Um, you know, and I think that's what it is. It's, I think it's just that uh, what's working, you know, and it's not it's not that AEW is not working, but it's that WWE is working better. And that's, well, you know, there's reasons for that. Um, for the same reason that, uh, you know, um, Tony won those other years because he was growing his company and the other guys weren't. 
He didn't win this year because the other guys really grew their company more, you know. Grew, I mean, they grew their core business and popularity more, and they pulled away in some ways. I mean, in, in the sense of, um, you know, when when in the past, when AEW would come to town, I mean, maybe WWE would outdraw them in, in, the, in the cities, but not by much. And now, if they come to town like a week apart, it's real bad for AEW because mm-hmm. it's, it's very much the AEW fan base enjoys WWE much more than they did before. I think at the beginning, um, AEW benefited from the fact that, that a lot of people thought WWE wasn't that good. And now people don't think that. So now it's much harder. I mean, AEW, it really, it, you know, sometimes I think people really try to exaggerate how bad it is and it's not. But it is, I'll tell you, the, the day that Vince McMahon stepped down in creative in 2022, I mean, I told people, I go in, in AEW, key people right away. I go like, now you're in for a real fight. I mean, it's, it's like the, the, best team, yeah. ever, the best thing that you ever had was that Vince stayed there because, because Vince had been, you know, the times had passed Vince by. And now you've got Paul. And, and you know, I know there's the feeling of, well, you know, we went, went head to head with Paul's NXT and killed them. And it's like, yeah, but now he's got, now he's got more resources than you. And he really is a good, solid booker. He really is. He's a, a nuts and bolts guy. He doesn't do stupid things. Every now and then things get out of control. It happens with everyone. It happens with Tony all the time too. But like when I watch a WWE show, I will, I know with Paul Levesque booking that I will not get my intelligence insulted. Right. Very often. And, 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 and when you're number one and you have that going for you, um, it's it's uh, I mean, it's very positive. And the talent is a lot happier, too. So they're performing and, better. And when so you're number you're, one, and you're doing that. You don't have to take stupid chances. What you're doing is working. So, yeah. Yeah. But sometimes people do. I mean, Vince was number one and he did all kinds of stupid things Yeah, but that's of, it. for his own, you know, for his own benefit and ego yeah. and just whatever. I mean, Paul's a wrestling guy, too. You know, Vince is Vince is a Vince guy. And everybody when Vince was the right when Vince was the head of creative. Every writer will tell you, we wrote for Vince. We didn't write for the fans. Now, nobody says that. I n- haven't heard anyone say, we're writing for Paul. No, we're writing for business. So, and, it, and that's a giant difference. Well, we continue now. If you want to read the rest of the Wrestling Observer Awards, the results, and of course, all Dave's thoughts at WrestlingObserver.com. Sign up for the newsletter and uh, get all the results here. But we do have to talk about some other things that went on this week, Dave. Of course, now Elimination Chamber happens Saturday morning. Did you watch it early in the morning, or did you wait till you woke up later and enjoyed it? I, I mean, I, wa- I watched it when I woke up the next morning. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was watching it live. Uh, I was pulled over on the highway, actually, in the middle of my move again. <laughs> so I was watching it in my car, but it was uh, it was interesting. It was fine. It was it was a fun show. I mean, it, it's again another one of these international shows where not a lot unexpected happened, and that was okay. Australia seemed to love it, but most importantly, the WrestleMania main events are now set. Now, what's interesting is Cody made the challenge for the tag team, and I'm just thinking about this because again, I had a lot of time while I'm driving. I'm thinking, okay, is the tag match still going to be a thing? Or are Roman and Seth now going to be corner guys for Cody and Rock? And that would save Seth and Roman from wrestling twice back-to-back, to potential for injury, all this other stuff. The only guy that would have to work twice in that weekend would be Cody. The only thing I know which would have been, um, well, there's two things. Number one was early last week, which is the last time I got a card, the tag match was the main event for night one. Okay. Um, and then the other thing was, is that there was a promo package um, before Cody's thing that right, came out right, and, and, and had all four of those guys face to face. So I saw that as like, you know, when they put that package on, I go, well, to me, that's the announcement of the tag and they're going to do that. For whatever reason, they haven't announced the tag and they don't have to. People, people 80% know it anyway. And, you know, yeah. 
we've got a lot of time until WrestleMania and everyone's going to know. So there's no rush to announce it anyway. But again, every, every sign I had, I mean, it was the tag. I've heard, I've had no signs that that's changed. I'll just say that. Okay. But I mean, that I, I just want to throw it out there because I, I need it on record saying, Hey, Mike said this, but I mean, it's, it's, look, it's possible. There's it's no just the way that Seth said it, you know, he's like, you know, the bloodline doesn't fight alone. So I'll have your back, you know? So I was like, okay, that's leaving it open to interpretation and we'll see yeah, what happens. But I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, it, it could, it could change next week. I mean, there's this Australia show had about four major changes, you know, on it. Um, you know, so, you know, WrestleMania is probably going to have, I mean, there's a WrestleMania lineup that's, I don't know. I mean, maybe nine deep at this point, but, but you know, it's none of, I mean, other than Cody and, and probably Seth and Drew largely, I think nothing's etched in stone, you know? So, um, the tag match is, is certainly planned. But you know, whatever things can happen, and and, and Levesque can change his mind. Dwayne's going to do what what Dwayne wants to do, no matter what. Which I think is the tag, but we'll see. You know, I I, I just sense that that the tag, and then you do the split off with because uh, because, I mean, Dwayne did come back to do a match with Roman Reigns, and and for a variety of reasons, obviously it didn't happen this time. But I do believe it will happen someday. Fair enough. Again, I'm just looking at it from hey, if there's a way that we could save potential injury then it would be the smart play in my books but what do i know it's just just hypothesis uh okay another wrestlemania story that's making its way around the news and i'm interested to see what your thoughts are of how they would involve him if they get him but there's talk that wwe has been reaching out to sylvester stallone obviously there's the philadelphia connection with the rocky movies the character but i mean what else is there They, they, they definitely called him and he said he was busy and um I mean, I suppose it still could happen, but um, the last word I heard when I asked was at right as of right now, you know, you know, we want him, but it doesn't look it doesn't look good. But as far as what they do, you know, it'd be skits. He ain't gonna he ain't gonna wrestle. Um, I doubt he'd be in anyone's corner. I suppose they could put him and have him throw a punch at somebody, you know, trying to do a run in like in that the Chuck Norris role, right. um, or or just do some skits with him for Philadelphia with with the guys, you know, give give guys some rub of being with Stallone. But um, yeah, they definitely they definitely contacted him though for sure. Yeah, wonder if they get him to voice over the intro. That would be something. Yeah, that would make all the sense in the world. I mean, if if you can't get him live, at least get him on tape uh, talking about Philadelphia and all this stuff. You know, get get him to do that speech from Rocky Balboa again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I do want to stick on WWE for one more thing, and that is just an update, if there's any, on what's been going on with Vince. And, you know, I I call it here in the note I sent you, WWE scandals. But, I mean, really, the investigation is still going on. Have we heard anything latest as far as what could be going on business-wise for them? Because I know there are some organizations, some podcasts out there that are saying that, you know what, the company needs to do a total clean-out of executives, and they need to do a total audit of every single person. But, I mean, where do we stand with this right now? Nothing's changed. Nothing. I've heard no rumblings of anything. Um, if there's going to be, I mean, it would take something to implicate. I mean, no one, no one is going to, unless someone is mentioned in a public fashion, in a way that's very negative, I don't see anyone being gone. Um, you know, just because people, if you're going to get everyone who knew about the thing. And again, what did they know? Did they know Vince was having an affair? Yeah. That's probably, that's probably lots of people actually. Mm-hmm. Did they know that they were that what the details of what Janelle Grant said in her suit? I have no idea who would have known and who wouldn't. And it's like everyone's speculating that, oh, of course this person known, of course this person. I don't know that. Um, I do think that 
anyone who looked the other way and knew that deep an aspect, um, probably not good to have in the company. The idea that they, you know, they knew Vince had an affair, then you got to get rid of every single person in the company, probably because the idea that Vince having affairs with with women, you know, which goes back to the 80s. Um, I just feel that, uh, you know, I mean, if that's just something everyone knew, but you can't, I don't think you can take every single person out of the company. And just that the fact that you, what are you going to do? Go to human resources. My boss is whatever the boss. That I don't even see that. I don't even know. We all know this. It's like, you don't got that power. You know what I mean? I mean, the board of directors thought they had that power and they found out they didn't, you know, and, um, you know, you can certainly question the members of the board that voted no and then voted yes, but their hands were tied too. In the sense of, um, you know, I kind of, you know, it's like, was it wrong that they let him, that they voted him in knowing what we know? Yes, it was. But they also had their hands tied because the the other option for them is essentially being kicked off the board. That's what it was going to be. So it was just a, a bad, bad situation. And um, if, if some people knew more and it comes out, um, you know, th- those people would have to, would probably have to be gone if it comes out that they had full knowledge of everything that was out there. Yeah. I guess the only argument you can make then is that the people on the board could have done what some of the people on the board did. And that would be step down. But that's right? resigned. Yeah. And, and um, you know, like it's like Paul Levesque, right? Just to throw out a name because the name everyone always brings up. Oh, absolutely. It's like, it's like, um, I mean, and look, Stephanie left. So, mm-hmm. so that tells you something, but Paul, it's his life, you know, it's his life and he enjoys it. And also, if he's gone, I mean, he's, you know, yeah, does the company die? No, the company's not going to die. But there'd be a lot of chaos. I don't think Michaels wants that level of work. And- I, I will put it out there this way, though, is that I, <laughs> as much as he's Vince's son-in-law, I mean, there are people in families that do shady stuff all the time and the other family members don't know about it. So I, I don't think that you can literally hold him to the fire and say, you must have known every gross thing Vince ever did. You you know, because I mean, sometimes even people that are closest to us, we don't know what they're doing. So, yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm not, I like something like this the, the, uh, with Vince. I obviously people who do know are going to keep that from me, but I'll also <laughs> say like, look, I didn't have any idea of that level of this, you know? So it's like, I, uh, you know, it, it, it it's, I'm sure there are people who knew to a degree and, you know, if they knew all the way and everything, you know, it's like, I mean, we know Lesnar knew and he's out. Allegedly. We, 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 have, we still have to say allegedly because nothing's been proven, proven yet or determined. Yeah. So Laurenitis, I mean, he's all, you know, he's all over that suit. Um, and, uh, you know, and he's, and he's, he's been out since 2022. So, you know, I mean, as far as others, it's like, a, it's a wait and see. But the, my gut is as far as the investigation into Vince, that's, that's into Vince, you know. I mean, if, it's, if they investigate the whole company and there's problems with the company, then that's a, it's a, that's a big issue. You know, TKO's got some issues. And the Kung Lee lawsuit is, is probably bigger than this one. In, in a, oh, it is bigger than this one in a lot of ways. So they got a big hurdle with the Kung Lee lawsuit, which is April, most likely, unless it gets delayed. And then whatever the investigation shows here. But, you know, they're, they're helped by the fact that it isn't Vince's company anymore. If it was, um, I think that we'd have a lot more sponsors pulling out. And it was very lucky that Vince sold before this came out. If this had come out before the sale, I think the company would have been, it would have been really bad for the company from a sponsorship standpoint, even if Vince had left, because people would just go, look, this is Vince's company. Now you can't say that it's Ari Emanuel's company. Ari, Ari did keep Vince on, and, and, and that was a poor decision. 
but it's not enough to hang him, obviously, because no one's come after him. We have Dave Meltzer here from the Wrestling Observer and WrestlingObserver.com. We're talking about everything going down and still to come. Of course, we're a week away from Sting's final match. Tony Khan has said this upcoming episode of Dynamite on Wednesday will be Sting's last Dynamite. A question I've put out to the listeners, Dave. I know I've talked to you a little bit about it before in the past, and it's getting more interesting now because there's been some storyline play here involving Ric Flair and him being sad that he's not involved more in it. So I, I don't know what that even means yet. I guess we'll find out maybe on Wednesday. It's but, they're, doing, they're doing a twist and turn to set up something. Something something's Ric Flair's going to do something in Greensboro. I don't know what it right. is. Right. Well, that's the question. Is he going to be the dirtiest player in the game and cost Sting the win, or is Sting going to go out uh, on top as a champion and, and retire as a champ? But I guess it's, more it's, interestingly... It's, it's going to be whatever Sting feels yep. is appropriate. You know, and... and you know, a lot of guys want to go out with a loss. A lot of guys want to go out with a win, I think. And and every case is different. I think in this case, Sting should go out with a win. That's my my thought. Um, but, you know, I don't have the, that vote. Well, and that's just it. We'll wait to see that part. But I guess more, interesting, more interestingly, moving forward from this is, what do you see Sting doing after this? Um, that's a good question. Um I mean, I, I see, I do see on occasion, I know Tony Khan would want to bring him back for TV every now and then, um, you know, maybe, I don't know about special referee, but maybe corner man or something. Let's say Darby challenges for the AEW title a single and they bring Sting back in his corner or, you know, I mean, I, I could see rules like that. Uh, I don't think Sting will ever wrestle again, um, you know, and um, I don't think he'll be around much, um, you know, but. I know AEW wants to keep an affiliation with him. I know Tony Khan does, you know, and I, 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 this is one where you really got to credit Tony Khan because Sting's career was over, you know, with WWE, it was over. It did not end in the way it should have. And Tony Khan enabled him to have, you know, three plus years of, you know, um, ending the way it should have. That's, that's what I'll say. All right. Well, Dave, I want to thank you as always. Last thing before we go here and recap what's in the newsletter besides all those awards and everything else going on. I wanted to close with this thought here. After her performance at Elimination Chamber, after the way she's been tracking lately, everybody's on board with Rhea Ripley, it seems. My question to you, do you believe that Rhea Ripley could be the most transcendent woman in pro wrestling history? Like, to, to be the one that really breaks through beyond any sort of like I'm talking like Dwayne Johnson levels here. I'm talking Stone Cold Steve Austin levels. No, here. no, no, no. I'm not, not not Dwayne Johnson levels. No, no. Um, as far as more than any woman in history, um, I would say there is certainly a chance because she's young too, and she's got yeah. a lot of years, and she's got a lot going for her. And um, I mean, that bar would be Becky Lynch, and Becky Lynch was number one even ahead of Roman Reigns. Rhea Ripley is not ahead of Roman Reigns, but you know that you know, but but it's but it's a bigger business now, and not I now, do, but yeah, I do I do think that she's got the chance to be the biggest female star ever in the United States. Yes, um, but but you know, Dwayne Johnson movie star, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's the right person, the right you know, right behind. She's got a great look, and um, you know, a lot a lot a lot of like charisma, but that's asking a lot. You know, I don't, I don't foresee that one, but it, you know, you know, you never know what's going to happen to someone when they're 
you know, with a couple more years, but, but See, this, this is the difference between you and me though, you've been working hard, like getting all your stuff together. I've been doing these nine and a half hour drives and all I'm doing is trying to cancel out theories on myself. So I just, I had this envision in my head. Like I agree with you hundred percent right now. No, she's not there, but I, I don't know. I think as long as everything goes her way and she keeps going, I think this could be a giant star for pro wrestling. Oh, so I think she's, a, I think she's a giant star already. I think yeah. she's a, I think she's a, I think she's a giant star. I think she is. And, and you know what? Um, Six months ago, I thought that Becky Lynch should win the title. I am right. not so sure that Becky Lynch should win the title. She still may, just because it's the way that that story has kind of been written, was for her to win the title. Um, and, you know, she could win it and lose it back, and that wouldn't really hurt any either. But I, I think Rhea should be the flagship on the raw side. Um, Becky Lynch is, you know, I, I just think that, yeah, I, I just see that that's her role at this stage of the game. Rhea did say something really interesting. I don't know if you saw this video. It was on their social media after Elimination Chamber, but she said that she's almost knocked off all of the four horse women. The yeah. WWE version of it. And I was like, ooh, that's that's a good point. So maybe, maybe she gets I I'm I'll put it this way. Isn't Mercedes one of them? So that one's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that one's, that one's not that one's not gonna happen for years. If it I mean, I'm not saying it'll never happen, but it ain't gonna happen for years. All right. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, WrestlingObserver.com. Okay, awards, obviously. What else are some things people can read about in this latest issue that came out? Just, um, you know, the update on all the stuff with Vince, a lot of the stuff that came out in the last week, a lot of scandals, scandal-laden stuff. Um, you know, a lot of talk about, um, you know, the the the, the Will Ospreay, the, the, the Will Ospreay's farewell match in England and New Japan Fantastica Mania, the sale. A lot on the sale of... Uh, Attempted sale, obviously didn't go through, but Scott Demore attempted to, to buy um, TNA, which um, with a lot oh, of yeah. And any, any anything to come out? I haven't seen anything uh, from that talent meeting that supposedly happened. Yeah, that was last night, and I have not heard anything okay. um, in specific about that yet. No, right. Sorry to interrupt. Please continue. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean that's um, um, a lot of the main stuff. You know, um, you know, just more more details on um, some of the AEW stuff with the, with the Mexican wrestlers, you know, and um, you know, what's allowed, what's not allowed. And um, you know, just future of, you know, future of new Japan, big question. You know, they lost Okada and Osprey at the same time and Tamatanga too, um, big hole that they got to fill. And they adding, you know, their, their replacements are Matt Riddle and Nick Nemeth. And um, you know, and that's, they're in a re, they're definitely in a rebuilding phase, and we actually have a lot on the financials of New Japan too and Stardom. Um, so, right. um, you know, just, which pretty much, if you look at them, kind of explains why it's going to be tougher for them because they don't have the revenue to compete with AEW or WWE. You know, before I wouldn't say they had they necessarily had the revenue to compete with them before, but they had um, enough popularity to be number one in their market, and it was a strong market. Right now, it's a tough market. They're number one in it, but it's a tough market. Well, there you have it. You could say for New Japan, it's a new beginning. It's been a great chat once again with Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer. Thank you so much, sir. We will talk to you again next week. Okay, have a great week. Coming up next, the McGuire on Wrestling Indie Spotlight with our good friend Vance Nevada, celebrated author and classic, classic independent wrestler. He's on the way next. Thanks for being here. This is McGuire on Wrestling. 
You got to stream the alternate commentary table every single Saturday. It's brought to you on the McGuire on Wrestling feed. I'm one half of your host, Demetri Corollas, and I'm here with my partner, Mitch Hondras. Mitch, what is the alternate commentary table? It's simple. It's the perspective of wrestling from the other side of the railing, the real fans. That's right. The perspective that you need. You might have a little bit of fun, too. The alternate commentary table. Subscribe free now to the McGuire on Wrestling podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Cha-cha! Welcome back to McGuire on Wrestling. Continuing with our indie spotlight here on McGuire on Wrestling. So happy to see a longtime friend, celebrated author, Mr. Beefy Goodness, which prevented me from doing the chant I wanted to do tonight because it's a family show. Mm. But the one and only Vance Nevada. Hey, buddy. Hey, Mike. It's great to see you. It's good to see you in person. Last time we did this was over Zoom. The Uncontrolled Chaos book had just come out. Yeah. That thing has been gangbuster for you it has been fantastic you know it's been uh you know i thought i was going to wrap up my wrestling career actually and then with uh, the interest in the book and then and of course all the bookings that came along with that across canada uh and then next thing you know you're in championship contention in different organizations and uh, now we're back in the main events all across the place so it's been pretty amazing over the last uh, 18 months so you're here in Lethbridge, Alberta tonight for Pure Power Wrestling. Uh, you're in a big battle royal here. Uh, you're also carrying titles from other places right now. How many how many shows are you doing a month right now? Uh, I think I've got nine in February. Wow. Uh, between Prince George, B.C. and, and Labrette, Saskatchewan and back. So uh, you know, we're here this weekend in Lethbridge. Next weekend is Prince George. Then we leave there to go directly to... One Arrow First Nation, then Labrette, and then Hall Lake, Saskatchewan, and then we leave there. The next day, Okotoks, Alberta, and then on a plane back to Vancouver. How do you keep track of all these, man? You're one of the busiest guys out there. Yeah, you know what? It's uh, I, I got to refer to the list frequently because I get so many calls about, hey, we'd like you to do this or that, and uh, often I'm like booked and, and triple booked. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's great to be in demand. My wife doesn't enjoy it uh, as much as I do. Uh, she thought we were done with wrestling 10 years ago, but, uh, <laughs> I remember this conversation actually, yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing though. But I mean, to be at this level in your career, how many years is this for you now? We're good. Uh, 2024 is 31 years. Wow. To, to be this busy, to be this involved and, and have people still seeking you out. I mean, that doesn't happen for a lot of indie guys 30 years in. It doesn't, you know, and uh, I mean, first of all, it's, you know, you need to be able to answer the call when it comes in, because when you, you turn down one opportunity, you could be turning down seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, one, one call to come to Lethbridge, well, we might be, you know, initiating some business here that's going to go through the whole year. Mm-hmm. So one booking turns into 12 and that's uh, kind of the way it goes. And then multiply that by six or seven companies that I'm working with right now across the country. Uh, but it's fantastic. Uh, you know, the, the, the wrestling hasn't changed. You know, as much as people think wrestling has evolved and, it, and it's uh, changed into something different and that old school uh, good guys and bad guys doesn't get over the same way anymore and we're proving them wrong every single night. And you have like these great, you know, character villains like Andy Anderson, who I get the priv- privilege to travel with and tag team with often. Uh, you guys like Bobby Sharp and the prospector Wes Barker who are coming up and are guys to keep an eye on. And then on the women's side, you've got you know these these warriors like Rhea Von Slasher that are, that are just knocking it out of the park everywhere they go. So um, it's still a, a very exciting place to be, and there's a lot of aggressive talent on the independents that are doing some really remarkable things. 
So last time we spoke in an interview capacity, it was an uncontrolled chaos came out. There's since been a paperback release. I know we were talking back then about future plans. Can you let us know about what, what else is going on in your writing life right now and your wrestling historian life? Yeah, you know, we've got uh, actually three projects in the works right now. The challenge is uh, having enough time at home uh, mm-hmm. to actually work on them, right? So uh, I was home last weekend. Uh, for 24 straight hours uh, and that was exciting but now my next weekend at home is in April wow uh, so we've got you know all, all across uh, western Canada in February and then March includes dates in Vietnam China and Korea wow so uh, yeah we were looking at a couple of things uh, one is uh, a Canadian wrestling record book where we dig deeper into the record side and look at things like the history of specialty matches and the origins of those and who are the specialists of those matches. Um, so we've got about 40 different types of specialty matches dating back to 1905. You know, we document that. Um, we've also been talking, you know, to some wrestlers specifically about working on their uh, biographies. Uh, and so uh, it's just a matter of you know, finding time in the schedule to slot it in. And then down the road, we've been uh, talking with some of the uh, really prolific wrestling photographers in Canada that have these vast libraries mm-hmm. about doing sort of a best of collection of some of their works as a, wow. as, a as a release. So there's you know a few things on the go. I love this. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So well, there's such a rich Canadian history. We talked about it when we talked about the Uncontrolled Chaos book. I have to thank you again for that book. Not only a for putting out such a great book, but b when I got the nod to take commentary at Dungeon Wrestling, you have the entire history of every Stampede Wrestling Championship in there, including a belt we're bringing back in the British Commonwealth, the Mid-Heavyweight Championship. Dude, that saved my life because it was everything I needed to know about that title is in your book. It was great. And that's the thing that surprises a lot of people. You know, when they come and they find the, the book at the table at the wrestling show and you know, maybe they'll say, oh, my uncle was a wrestler, but you probably don't have him in your book. And I'm like, try me. <laughs> you know, if he, if he held a belt in Canada, he's probably in the book. You, um, you know, and there's, you know, so much territory to cover. And, you know, even myself, because I, you know, always want to make it as complete as possible. You know, I'm still looking at, well, what chapters get added next time if we were to do a sequel to that book? So that could be a project down the road as well. Mr. Beefy Goodness, Vance Nevada. If you don't know him, you should find the books. Find his career. It's always great to see you, my friend. Absolutely. Great to be here and uh, hope to see you soon. McGuire on wrestling. My thanks to Vance Nevada as well as, of course, Dave Meltzer and you for being here this week. Again, wanted to give you what you're used to. High quality show no matter what's going on, no matter where in the world we are. We're always going to do it for you. And again, I'm back in Saskatchewan right now. I actually have to start the drive back to Lethbridge to do my morning show on 98.1 The Ranch tomorrow morning. Like soon. Like, real soon. But I want to make sure you got a show on Sunday. And again, if you haven't heard that Shane Douglas interview from last week, because it, you know, you're know you usually used to listening to the show on Sundays, go back and check it out. I'm telling you, it's worth the while. I'm not saying that just to plug my own stuff. I really, really enjoyed that chat, and the feedback I'm getting from a lot of you is the same. It's been really good. So thank you again for your support there. Now, I did ask the question this week about Sting's retirement, and I wanted to hear from you directly. Do you think that Sting is going to retire as a champion or leave looking at the lights? Some great comments on the Team MOW, Maguire on Wrestling Facebook page. Uh, I said personally, I think Sting is going to take the pin. You know, he was never really a traditional wrestling guy through this whole thing, but I think he's come to respect and understands the business enough to know that you got to leave and 
put somebody over. Uh, Dave Drashev, though, agrees with that. He says he's going to be so bummed if one of his local theaters isn't airing the show. Well, yeah, you got to find that, man. Get in there with a bunch of rowdy wrestling fans and watch it. I did that once, and it was different here in Canada. They were relying on Bell pay-per-view or something to happen, and it didn't come through. It didn't work. So for the first match, I don't remember which WrestleMania this was. The Miz started it. And we were all watching it on my phone, on the WWE app back then. So I, I'm a little 50-50 on the whole movie theater thing. But if it works for you, Dave, enjoy yourself. Uh, Rob says, Sting isn't Hogan. He will go out looking at the lights. All right. There you go. First of all, a little bit of indictment on the Hulkster. You know, Hulkster did jobs when he had to. He just didn't like doing it. Uh, Joe Aguinaldo, our good friend and part of the social media team here. Says, okay, since a bunch of people have commented that they feel Sting is going to lose, I'm going to change my answer to give an alternate scenario. Shout out to Mitch and Dimitri over at the uh, ACT. He says, even though I think the right thing to do would be for Sting and Darby to lose with Sting taking the pin, I think TK has so much respect for Sting that he'll want Sting to go out as a champion. So I think Sting will win this match and retire as the tag team champ. Then once Darby goes solo, he will be the tag team champion and defend it solo. And before you laugh, this is not unprecedented. I then did say that, yeah, we talked about this on the phone. But then he also brought up the whole MJF Adam Cole thing, right? That's a, a real reality as well. Uh, Blaine says, I hope he retires as champs. Win or lose, this match doesn't help the Bucks in any way. Yeah, that's an interesting look at it too. I mean, the fact the Young Bucks are the opponents here, what does it do for them? If they beat Sting and Darby, they're the tag team champions again. Whoopie-doo. They've been there before. It didn't really make that big of a deal last time. And that's not a disrespect to them. Let's just face it. The Bucks aren't as key in that tag team role as maybe people expected them to be. And then Michael Parker says, I know I already answered this over on X, but I think Sting will go out as champion. It's a celebration, and beating the Bucks is the way to go. What I don't want to see is Ric Flair getting involved. Let Flair be a part of Sting's send-off. Have him call out friends and family members like they did for Flair when he, quote, retired. Yeah. No one needs the dirtiest player in the game this night. Well, if it wasn't Tony Khan booking, I would agree and say it, it makes sense to just have Flair just be there as a presence. But with this promo that happened this past Wednesday, I, I, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. But it's going to be an interesting week, and I'm really going to – Look forward to paying attention to AEW this week. I think that Wednesday's Dynamite could be very interesting. I hope they don't you know, say this will be Sting's last Dynamite and do what they did when they brought Jushin Liger to Calgary and had him out for 10 seconds. <laughs> but I think, they'll, I think they'll give Sting a little more than 10 seconds. Maybe Sting cuts a promo. Maybe Sting gets beat down to set up the match. I, I don't know. But it will make Sting's last week as a professional wrestler a very interesting one. I do know a guy that's going down to the show, heading down to Greensboro, so we might talk to him about it as well. But most importantly, I want to thank you for being here to talk about pro wrestling like we do each and every week. Again, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, you can do it wherever you're listening to this podcast. Appreciate it. If you can find it in your heart to give a five-star rating, leave a comment, any comment. Hey, McGuire, you smell. Hey, McGuire, get a place to live. That, that all works too. Just the, the feedback is appreciated. It's not for my ego. It's for business. And we want to keep this show growing, and it is, thanks to you. Join us on the Team MOW Facebook page for conversation there. That's absolutely free. And if you do want to support financially, I mean, hey, again, we're not doing it to get rich off this thing. But if you uh, would like to make us rich and buy a 1,000 t-shirts, do it. But if you just want to buy one, 
do that too. It's appreciated. MaguireShow.com. Head to the Team MOW shop. Check out the merch store. Check out the bios and leave your feedback. You can find me on all the socials at Maguire Show. Okay. I think I've stalled myself from finishing the last of the packing and getting back on the road long enough. So I'm going to go hit the highway. Until next time, as always, thanks for listening and letting me do what I do. And if you're on the Trans Canada Highway for the next nine and a half hours, play safe, drive safe. Yeah, I'll be seeing you.